A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So, he became superior to the angels, just as the name he inherited is more excellent. The word of the Lord. Well, please be seated and good to see you. Uh, happy New Year. Happy uh, 2024 and, and Feast of the Epiphany. I invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Some of you know about the artist uh, Vincent Van Gogh. And uh, you may not know that Vincent Van Gogh once, um, for one reason or another, cut off his own ear or cut his ear. And uh, after doing so, sought medical attention from Dr. Felix Ray. Dr. Felix Ray gave him medical attention, helped, helped his ear. And as payment for this medical care, Vincent Van Gogh painted a portrait of Dr. Felix Ray and did it in a special style which was, uh, which was new at the time that only Vincent Van Gogh could perfect in his own way. And he brought it to Dr. Felix Ray and said, thank you for your medical attention. Here's a portrait I made of you. Now imagine getting a portrait of yourself from Vincent Van Gogh. And Dr. Felix Ray should have taken that portrait and made it the centerpiece of his house and told every visitor about it and said, wow, Vincent Van Gogh himself, you know, painted my face for all posterity. And here it is. And look at the special style that he used. And, and, but Dr. Felix Ray did not like the painting. He did not like the painting. It was one of those gifts that you get and you're like, thanks. And then you give it to your mom. He actually did. He, gave, he like just gave it to his mom. And his mom used the painting to patch up the chicken coop. There was a hole in the chicken coop and he used the painting or she used the painting. And it sat there for 10 years. For 10 years, the chickens had a Vincent Van Gogh. And it was 10 years later that, you know, another painter like discovered this painting in the, in the backyard of this doctor's mom. And, 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 and said, so can I buy it? And like paid, a, you know, whatever, a pittance for it. Today, it is worth $50 million. Now, Dr. Felix Ray received a treasure beyond compare, way beyond what he deserved for the medical care that he gave. It was unique, it was unrepeatable, and it should have been framed and celebrated, but he couldn't see its value. So he didn't celebrate it cost it aside. Listen, Jesus Christ is a treasure beyond compare. We need to be putting him at the center 
of our homes, the center of our schedules, the center of our life, the center of attention, a treasure beyond compare. But what do we do? We just are like, I don't know. That's too hard. I've got too many other things going on in my life. And so we put him to the side. Maybe we make him useful for something small over here or something small over there, but we don't make him the center. And we're in danger of throwing aside the greatest treasure that we have ever received or will ever receive. Um, Now, what we're going to do today and in this series, in the, in, in the book of, of, of Hebrews, is we are going to put the treasure of Jesus Christ back in the center of our life, back in the center of our church, back in the center of our souls, back in the center of our relationships, because he is everything. I've been so encouraged by the book of Hebrews, personally. I've been reading it, taking it in, It's been strengthening my faith. It's been encouraging me where I've been discouraged. And the central point of Hebrews is that Christ is more valuable than anything else. He's our treasure. And there's all different, there's all kinds of different dimensions to Christ being our treasure. You know, he's our great high priest. He's the best spiritual leader we will ever, ever have. And he's the only one that we should, that that we should set on high and look to for ultimate spiritual care. He's also, um, as it were, our champion. He's the best forerunner and champion and, and model for living that we could ever, ever have. He's our brother. He's the one who's not ashamed to call us sister, to call us brother, because he shares in our nature. Um, he's our great sacrifice. He made a new and living way where there was absolutely no way. And so I want Christ, wherever we're at right now, the the point is that just like uh, the doctor, we're in danger of throwing aside a great treasure. And the the author of Hebrews is very, very clear on this point. It's because um, suffering has made us uh, lazy. Suffering has a way of doing that, doesn't it? When we're suffering, we're giving so much energy just to making it through. What are we in danger of doing? We're in danger of giving up. Like we're in the middle of a race. We're like, I didn't train for this race. I didn't want to, uh, all of a sudden, I don't want to be signed up for this 5K anymore, this 10K, this marathon anymore. I want to quit. Suffering makes us want to quit. The author of Hebrews says, don't quit. Jesus Christ didn't quit. Look to him and he will do something through your suffering that you could never imagine. But we've got to stick close to him. We've got to keep following him. And so, boy, do I want to do that? This epiphany, this Lent, in the book of Hebrews, I want to treasure Christ, center Christ, celebrate Christ with all of you. So I want to invite you to do that with me, this epiphany and this Lent. Let's talk about communication. Communication is vital to any relationship. You think about any relationship you have, your marriage, your friendship, work relationships, you're part of a team. You watch any football game this afternoon, you're going to see people with headsets on, talking, communicating back and forth. You're going to see quarterback, you hear quarterbacks calling out something or another. They're communicating with their team. When there's a flow of information between people that we care about, the relationship is likely to stay vital, to stay alive, to stay connected. When that flow of communication dries up or is constricted, something bad's going to happen to that relationship. It's going to slowly die. It's going to suffer. 
Have you ever waited for someone to communicate with you? You've wanted them to send a return text, right? Or to return email or like, why am I not hearing from this person who I care a lot about or I need to hear from? You, have you ever waited on communication from, from, on, you know, from a boss, from a director, from a supervisor? You're like, what do they want? What's my budget lines? What's the expectations? What are the deliverables? And the relationship suffers, the project suffers until they communicate with you, right? Now, what happens when things get really difficult in our life? Who do we want to hear from? We want to hear from God. If we, if we, if we, if we have any kind of semblance that, that God is there and that he, that he care about us, am I really important to God? Well, we will want to hear from him, especially when we're in pain. And sometimes we, have you ever wondered, like, is God silent? Is he talking? Is he seeing? Does he have anything to say about what I'm going through right now? And here's the truth, the hope that I want us to see from Hebrews 1. In the words of one theologian, God is a talker. God's a talker. Isn't that good news? Speaking, pleading, wooing, canvassing words between heaven and earth. Uh, one, one theologian, Dr. Guthrie, says, God is extremely interested in communicating with us, and he's finding all kinds of different ways to do that. And the author of Hebrews says this, verse 1 of chapter 1, Long ago, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways. God, God found all kinds of ways to communicate um, to the people of old, but it was piecemeal and it was partial. But in these last days, when it really counts, in the time of history where, where history's drawing near its conclusion, as it is, he has spoken to us by his son. Jesus Christ is God's final word, his most definitive communication. And, and actually, Jesus Christ continues to speak today, especially through his holy word. And we can, you can hear Jesus Christ speak in the, in the book of Hebrews. You can read the book of Hebrews even this afternoon, and you can like hear the authoritative, loving voice of Jesus Christ. It's all over the book of Hebrews. So, do you want to know what God's plan is for your life? Listen to Jesus speak. Do you want to know what God's plan is for the future? What, what, he, what he wants to do? How he wants to bring everything to a conclusion? Listen to Jesus speak. Now, many people have claimed to speak for God, right? And, and uh, a lot of them are just frauds. They just want the authority of God. But they don't bring, they don't bring the power of God. They don't speak authentically on his behalf. There's only one person who speaks authentically and authoritatively on God's behalf without sin, without corruption, with, without fuzziness, completely, without gaps, but with lots of grace. And that is Jesus Christ. And that's why I'm so excited to be spending time in the book of Hebrews with you in 2024. Now, how exactly does God communicate through Jesus Christ? Well, the first thing that the author of Hebrews is going to show us is that God communicates by empowering his son. 
you know how sometimes decisions communicate more than words? Like actions speak more loudly than words? That's kind of a little bit what's going on right now in how God relates with his son Jesus. Look at the second part of verse 2. Um, it says this, God has appointed him, Jesus, heir of all things, and made the universe through him. He made him heir of all things, and then he also made the universe through him. Who we empower in our life sends a clear message to everyone around us what we value, what's important to us, what are our, what are our priorities. For instance, who do we hire on our teams? Or who do we give our money to? Or who do we hang out with? Or who do we give our attention to? Who Actually, here's a question. Who are you going to put in your will? Who are you going to include? Who's going to get what you're leaving behind? Who are you going to pass your legacy on to? Who are you going to invest your life in? That sends a message, doesn't it? Who are you going to empower? God empowered his son in two distinct ways. First of all, God the Father made the universe side by side with his son, Jesus. They were a team. And, and think about this as like ultimate creative power. Like who gets to build the buildings in Chicago? Who gets to issue permits in Chicago? Who gets to write the most compelling stories in our city? Who gets to perform in those stories in our city? Who gets to say how things are going to go in Chicago? That's a lot of creative power. But then there's another thing that God did. He then gave the universe to his son as a gift. Jesus Christ didn't just create things with the father. He actually inherited it. He owns it. He rules over it. He's the heir. He's the royal son who now rules by the father's good, good pleasure and goodwill. He made him high king over heaven and earth. Verse four talks about this. He gets a name above every other name. Okay, so what message, how was God speaking in that decision that he made about his son? Well, um, this is what the father was saying. When, when the father made Jesus the creator and the heir of all creation, he was saying to Jesus, you are worthy of it all. You're worthy, Jesus, of everything on, in heaven and on earth. You're worthy to create it. You're worthy to receive it. You're worthy to rule over it. You can be trusted with all of this. You know how sometimes people get something and they're not really worthy of it? It's sort of sad, isn't it? Someone gets an inheritance, millions of dollars, and it, and it wrecks their world, wrecks their life. And in fact, inheritance, monetary inheritance, has ruined the relationships between siblings. It happens all the time. There's a lot of money left. There's a lot of money at stake. Siblings fight over it, and they never talk to one another again. Isn't that sad? Their character wasn't ready. Their relationship wasn't ready for all that power. And all that wealth. You see someone else get promoted. And they're like, they shouldn't have got the promotion. What the heck was management thinking? And they ruin things with it. They wreck people with it. Jesus Christ is capable, worthy, and right to receive 
the inheritance of this world and to have the creative power over it to bring it into existence. Um, now, here's another interesting point. When do most people get their inheritance? It's, it's, it's when their parent dies. Someone has to die. Someone else has to die for them to get the inheritance. But when does Jesus Christ get his inheritance? It's when he dies. And that's what makes him worthy. His humility. He humbled himself. He suffered faithfully doing the will of God. He endured hostility. He was, he was, in the words of the song, scorned by the ones he came to save. And the father looked on that righteousness and he looked on that humility and he looked on his purity and he said, that sacrifice was worth it. You took all the sin upon yourself. You took, uh, you took on human flesh. You are worthy to receive honor and glory. He raised him from the dead and he raised him to his right hand. And, and then he gave him a name above every other name. And so, friends, I just want to bring this point to a close and say, that's a message to us. God's communicating to us by who he empowered. Um, and it's, it's not the same message we're, we're going to get often from, you know, the seen world and who gets empowered in the seen world and who, who, gets to, who inherits the earth most of the time in, in the circles that we run in, not the meek. But God said, the meek shall inherit the earth. The son will inherit the kingdom. Jesus Christ is the creator and he's the heir of heaven and earth. Okay? And so let that send us a message about what is important to God. It's a vital piece of communication. And so let's, let's talk about our life. Who do we value? What do we value? Who do we value? Who do we hold up as worthy? What do we bend the knee to? And I just want to say this epiphany, my friends, let's honor the same person that the father honors. Um, let's give the son our devotion. Let's say, let's say it, friends, with our time, with our attention, with our money, with our allegiance. And let's say to the son, you're worthy of it all. You're worthy of not just all of heaven and earth, but the little piece of heaven and earth that, that I have to give. And let's say to the heir of all things and the maker of all things that we think the same thing about him that the father says. It. All right. So the father's communicating to us. He's speaking to us. He spoke to us how he empowered the son, but also he communicates to us by shining through the sun. Shining through the sun. Second part of verse three. Um, is that the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. One of the oldest known Christian songs was from the earliest centuries of the church, and it's included in the uh, evening prayer liturgy of the Book of Common Prayer, and it's called O Gracious Light. And, and it sings about Jesus Christ as the pure brightness of the ever-living Father in heaven. Jesus Christ is a gracious light, not a harsh light. He's a gracious light, and he's the pure brightness of the ever-living Father in heaven. So Jesus Christ is shining with the glory of the Father into our world. You know, he took on human flesh. That was part of him shining. You know this, right? It's not just his heavenly glory. It's his earthly humility both almost like in stereo shine the beautiful light of the father in a gracious way 
the light of God's holiness could kill us, but because it shines through Jesus, it heals us. The light of God's truth, you know, it could blind us, but because it shines through Jesus, it guides us. In the Chicago winters, when it's really dark a lot, sunlight becomes this super precious commodity, doesn't it? How many of you admit it? You see the sun from the window and you're like trotting outside or you're like trying, you're like, you're like, come on, vitamin D, you know, serotonin, happiness, like, like, you know, I want that. You're soaking up as much as you can. In our world, God's light is a precious commodity. And it's not just information, it's life itself. And we want to soak it up with all of our hearts. When Jesus Christ shines on us, it's sustaining, even more so than serotonin and vitamin D and well-being. Jesus Christ sustains us with God's light. And also, he sustains us by his powerful word, you know, Hebrews 3, Jesus Christ is sustaining all things by his powerful word. So he's right in the midst of your life, right in the midst of my life, right in the midst of our world, speaking. And his words are wise words that are keeping things together, holding things together, guiding people in tough situations. Let's just say that you're facing a difficult challenge in your life. And you're under extreme pressure. Some of you are in this. You're you're in something you've never faced it before. And you really don't know exactly what to do. And you really don't know exactly who to ask what to do because most people haven't faced this in your life. And so um, you reach out to some people for support. If you really understand, you look for books on the topic, podcasts on the topic. You're not really sure which ones are telling you the right way to go. You reach out to God. You cry out to him in in kind of a new, desperate way. And how does God respond to your crisis? He responds with Jesus. He responds with Jesus. Jesus is exactly what God wants to communicate to us into our situations where we don't know what to do. Jesus will shine upon us with his holy word, which will give us wisdom for our situation. But he will also shine on us with his gracious light through his Holy Spirit. And he's not necessarily going to give us all the answers. Here's everything that's going to happen. Here's the entire strategy that you need. But he will shine on our face and he will shine on our path. And like the Magi in the gospel story, We're going to have some dark roads to walk through. But Jesus Christ is like that star that's brighter than any other star, shining on us in a dark moment, shining on our face to the point where we're going to begin to reflect the light of Christ even as we walk through the dark situation we're walking in, even as we don't know the way. But it's going to be enough light for us. It's going to be enough light for you to to take the next step, continue finding your way, not just the next step, but you will find your way to Jesus. And he's going to show you why you had to walk this road. That is the light of Christ. 
He's shining with the pure brightness of the Father. He's sustaining you with his powerful word. God is speaking to us through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is exactly what God wants to say to us in the moment we find ourselves in. And he's going to communicate to us by empowering his son and shining through his son. And then the final thing I want to say today from, from Hebrews 1 is that God's going to communicate by offering up his son. That's how God communicated. He offered up his son. Starting with the second half of verse 3. Uh, After making purification for sins, he, Jesus, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So he became superior to the angels, just as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. He made purification for sins. Have you ever tried to purify something? If you have, you know it's dirty business. You got to separate. If you're going to purify something, that means you're going to deal with the impurities. You're going to separate out the pure from the impure, the clean from the dirty, the good from the not good. And that's what a high priest does. But there's other jobs in our world that does this work of purification. And it's dirty business. You pest control. Right? Think about what do pest control people do? They're they're separating the pure for the impure. What belongs in our home and what doesn't belong in our home? The bed bugs, the rats, the cockroaches, like dealing directly with the pests and getting them out of the house. Right? What about garbage collectors? They're taking away trash. They're taking away waste. They're they're in some ways purifying our life by taking away what doesn't, what should not remain. Okay. This is tough work, but really, really important. Jesus Christ did something that no one else on this earth could do. He made a purification for our sins. He dealt directly with, with the worst contaminant of all, which is, which is the wickedness, which is inside the human heart, which makes its way into society in all kinds of subtle and deceptive ways. He he dealt directly with that through the perfect pure offering on the cross. And and, and and Hebrews is going to show us he was both the high priest making a sacrifice as well as the victim, the pure lamb, who was himself the once for all sacrifice. And here's, here's the really important part of this. You know, Jesus Christ did not come to just wipe us out. Which is, which is what we see happening in our world. And this is nothing new. We people, you know, people make a mistake and they're canceled, right? In our world. It happens all the time. Jesus Christ came to heal and to, to, uh, to cleanse, not to cancel. He came to forgive sins. Um, he came to make us new. And he did that as our faithful high priest. Not only that, once he was done making purification for sins, you know, the author tells us that he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And when he did that, he didn't do that judging us. He did that interceding for us. And he did that welcoming us into, he's now the way that we can go into the presence of the Father with confidence. He made a new and loving way for us to go right to the Father and ask for exactly what we need on the worst days of our life, 
when we have no business standing before God. He made it his business to bring us before God. We have a new and living way to make intercession. He makes intercession for us. We come to the throne of grace to find mercy and grace to help in a time of need. And that's how God communicated to us. He offered up his son so that could be possible. Wasn't that a gracious thing for the father to do? Wasn't that a gracious thing for Jesus to, to obey, to finish the task? Because he really loves us, my friends. Says he really loves you. He loves you so much. He loves our church so much. And um, more than that, he's the, he's the only leader that's not going to let us down. Did you know that every leader, every human leader will let you down? Every leader in society, every spiritual leader, every leader in work, every leader in family, every parent, every leader will let you down. Jesus Christ is the only one who's really, really pure and who can really, really be trusted. And he can be trusted, and here's the important, with the burdens of your soul, okay? The worst problems that you have and the things that you're carrying, he wants to take them. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. He'll console your heart. He'll forgive your sins. He'll hear your prayers. Listen, if communication dries up, so does the relationship. Is God speaking to us? Yes, he is. God speaks to us through his son by empowering him, shining through him, and offering him up. But communication is a two-way street. And the other side of communication that I didn't talk about is the part about listening. Because when someone communicates, if we're not paying attention, Communication is not happening. Hebrews 2 verse 1 says this, Therefore we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Let's end here. Don't tune out what God most wants to say. Don't tune out the Son of God. He's speaking today. Don't drift from him, because his message has to do with life and death. Now here's a, here's a way to listen, my friends. What we looked at today is some of the most beautiful and exalted poetry in all of classical literature. It's some of the, the finest, finest uh, writing in all of the New Testament, just in terms of its beauty and its structure. And I've been thinking and praying all week about how, to, how, to like, how this piece of text doesn't just go fill out a hole in the chicken coop. How are we going to take it with us? And treasure it. And by treasuring it, treasure Christ. And I just want to invite you, simple spiritual practice, take these four verses with you and just read them and treasure them today. Take it with you to work. Read it over breakfast. Pray it at night before you go to bed. And just ask God to start speaking to you through the book of Hebrews and start speaking to you through the Son of God. Begin to ask the life-giving word to shine light on you and help you through your life and the next step that we need to take. Because there's so much vying for our attention. And so this epiphany, my invitation to you is let's, let's enter back into communication with God, right? What's happening in our relationship with God? Let's give it attention. Let's let it, he's a talker. He's speaking. He has spoken. He wants to speak to you. Would you, with me, listen 
to him this epiphany. Let's listen together and pay attention to our Savior, our brother, our priest, our hero, our champion of the faith, Jesus Christ. Let's do so in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The most perfect call to action after a message like that is, in my opinion, prayer, where we get to listen and speak with our Father. And confession isn't great. Next step, maybe it is taking out the trash, but the reality is that Jesus not only wants to be the center of the universe, he wants to be the center of each of our lives. He came down in such a small form so that he could. And often I find that when we are experiencing those times when Jesus is not the center, maybe there's something or some idol that is sitting in the throne room of our hearts. And so I want to invite you to take an extended time to listen to the Lord who's speaking to you as we go into confession of what might need to be dethroned from the throne room of your heart, that he might be the center.